Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is Quantum Nurse, and I am Grace Asagra. Thank you for being with us, and I am your holistic registered nurse, and I'm happy and excited to have a colleague and a friend for us today. Her name is Anastasia Anisimov. I think I said it very beautifully. Thank you so much. Yes, you said it perfect. And she's the host of the Bad Mom podcast. Thank you, Anna, for being here. And let me just remind our listeners and our viewers that whatever information about Anna and about the podcast, I'll make sure I'll put all the links and any other references that Anna might come up with during the conversation. And feel free to reach out to us because we're not just having this conversation for us, but this conversation is with you, our listeners and viewers, because we want to inspire you. you. We want you to take steps and action so you could, uh, whatever good things that you're hoping for yourself, this is the conversation. And uh, so I will put that link and reach out to us. We, we always give a consultation, a complimentary consultation. And Check out also the website that I have, the quantumnurse.life. That's the landing page. And you will have three free videos that are very helpful. Okay, so thanks. I'll just say a little bit about Anna. And as we carry on the conversation, you'll get to know her more. So, Anna. Thank you so, so much for that introduction. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I have a little bit more. Okay. So, yes. I know that you are a motivated mother of two wonderful children and 11, the son, your son, right? And nine, your daughter mm -hmm. living in New Jersey. And you immigrated here with your parents in the mid nineties. And as the oldest child, you were supposed to make your folks rich in America from Kazakhstan. Did I say it right? It's Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it sounds very familiar because I come from the Philippines as well. And usually, and, and I'm the second in the family. So we kind of have similar cultures. I think everyone who has come here, then the parents expect you to help them out and like live the American dream. <laughs> so yes. unfortunately, you said that like a lot of teenagers, you were also misguided and you have always been creative and wanted to help others and the environment. You realize that environmental science degree in your most chosen, in more, your career choice would be used to exploit our earth and lost interest in that direction. So I guess later on, Anna, maybe you could touch a little bit about that as well, okay? Because, sure. you know, most people, I think, thought that they were going to take environmental science and then that will help them protect the environment. So you created then a podcast and took a guided course called Broadcast Yourself with Brian Rose and at the London Real Academy. Since then, you have created a platform for survivors of domestic violence, sexual assault, and other types of abuse to be able to share their story. These are heavy duty platforms. <laughs> yeah. And you are in the process 
of creating your nonprofit organization for children to educate them with age-appropriate guidance to help them succeed in life, especially when living in a low-income neighborhoods, single-parent households. So the purpose of this nonprofit organization is to educate and prevent the cycle of abuse from perpetuating in our youth. So you have been working with a team of writers on domestic violence anthology coming soon. So well, that's something to look forward to. I yep. like that. And you have a blog already to empower others to use their voice to stand up to their abusers. And you also have a YouTube channel with most of the interviews from your podcasts. You are working side by side by patriots in your state, which would be New Jersey. Yes. Right? And to keep mm -hmm. your the medical freedom, which have been under attack for quite some time. You coach others on how to live healthy and happy even during dark times. You offer coaching and support, and you are open-minded to different options and opinions. You empower others to achieve their goals and dreams. So Anna, this is a, you know, you're 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 a beautiful role model for a young mother and I know you're going to go far and you know people would be good for people to keep uh, listening to your podcast because you have touched many lives I bet for now you know and then you here you are you being a successful podcaster so I guess my my, my first question is I'm really in, interested and without uh, hoping not to, you know, not to make anyone feel so bad, you know, like what made these topics really powerful for you or passionate for you? Why did you settle with these topics? Well, um, the name of my podcast is called The Bad Mom Podcast. And I use that title on purpose because it's the opposite of what I am. I am a good mom and I've had to uh, convince people that I am a good mom and defend myself and uh, constantly appease other people, including like, you know, moms are just very heavily judged in general, women, all of us, we're judged on everything we do. So, um, you know, nobody is perfect. So the point of that is to use what my abuser called me, which is a bad mom. And it actually empowered me because once I got, um, I got diagnosed with PTSD after we got, um, divorced and I never knew I was a victim of domestic violence until I went through coaching and classes being accused of being the, the actual abuser. So this whole time I did think I was a bad person and a bad mother. Like how could, you know, something so horrible happen to me, this marriage, and, you know, I always took the blame for everything, um, in that marriage and that. So it actually taught me so much after getting away for like four years, I think I grew so much as a person, 
but I had to go through a lot of um, accepting myself and my decisions. And, um, you know, <coughs> of course, as a young parent, you don't know what you're doing, you know, as uh, th getting thrown into a married life at, uh, I think I was 19 years old. Uh, it was just a whole different experience, obviously, than being a kid. So here I am, like marrying my, uh, my ex became a military uh, army army man <laughs> when I got pregnant with my son, but we were both in the military. So I did want to be in the military. And then all of a sudden after training, I got pregnant with his child. So we decided he'll go active duty. And, um, I was, I, I was full in it. I was so excited, you know, cause I do everything full, like full force a hundred percent, or I don't care. You can't get me to do anything that I don't passionately care about. I mean, you can, but it's just going to be low enthusiasm and I'd rather do stuff that I care about. So, you know, I never wanted children until I was like 30 and all of a sudden I was pregnant and it was a hard choice because a lot of people were uh, telling me that I couldn't do it, um, you know, um, that we need to be um, older, more successful to have children. So, um, it was, it was something I took on and I think I excelled at being a mother, a wife, and I did everything I could to make this person happy and it didn't really work out. Um, I took a lot of blame and shame and I feel like I've been living under this curtain of ugly and I'm actually a really beautiful person and I do anything I can to help someone, whether I know them or not. Uh, and I don't know if that's because of my human nature to want to help people. But as a kid, you know, we want to help everyone. We're nice. And but what, as we get older, we learn to be a little more tough and rough and trying to like, not be so open to other people, because a lot of people take advantage of you. And you know, and I don't want my kids to go through the same mistakes as I did. So I, and all, I don't think that I made a lot of mistakes. I think they're all lessons now. So I used to think that they were mistakes, but it has taught me so much. Um, the coming of age thing. So I'm 31 now and I have never been happier. I've never been, um, just more free and like proud of myself um, these are things I had to do for myself and they, they came from just letting things just take, take like, um, I guess control, like, like losing control and just letting life go how it's going and not being so worried. So it took a lot of spiritual spirituality. It took a lot of mental, um, control, like, where do I put my energy? Do I put my energy here or do I care about everything? So to me, the best way to like, you know, live a peaceful life, even when things are not going so well, I mean, I have a circle, a circle of concern and everything in that circle is um, that I, I've put there that I care about that directly affects me. People like job, something like that. You know what I mean? Um, everything outside of that circle doesn't really get my energy. There has to be something very important. I teach that to my kids because there's so much stress in the world. And, you know, you're always going to hear some negativity here and there. People, 
people are very um, unkind sometimes. So we're kind of trying to work on a program that will educate kids to look for red flags so they don't become victims of abuse, um, make better decisions, like how to make decisions in general, how to react, how to think before you react, things like we're not really taught how to financially prepare, um, what careers are out there, what to um, just, and what dreams are possible because, you know, we don't really get to dream. We kind of just go to school to learn some facts. And I feel like it's really missing that whole drive of why you want to do stuff. Why do you, because my kids don't know what they want to be at nine and 10, but I think I wanted to be a filmmaker ever since I saw the first movie, you know? So it's, everyone's different. I went to a visual and performing arts Academy in high school and learn how to film and act and do drama and stuff like that. So I've always been very creative and yeah, I really wanted to make a podcast so I could talk to people about um, anything and everything, but really it's just focusing on these survivors of domestic violence because I was one and um, you're shamed for it. You're told that you're a liar, that you, um, you know, must be, you know, making this up. You must, you know, want attention. And it was never about that. That's why we're married for eight years or six years. I don't even remember. I was with someone for so long, not even knowing my own worth, you know, not even knowing I was possible of writing a book or making a podcast or doing anything for myself. It was always for that person that I was with and everything for him. Like I never even thought about myself. That's how I was in that house. So um, right now, uh, you know, he kind of thinks that I made the podcast for him, you know, to expose him or whatever, but I don't, he's so old news, you know? So like, he's still trying to make our life really miserable. And, um, as a nine-year-old and 11-year-old, they just want to be with their mother and be, you know, just live a normal kid life, not worry about, you know, the cops come in or like their dad, like blocking their emails from their mom. It's like, it's so much drama. And that is why I want to do something to show them that look, even things are, are like really hard right now, but your mom's going to do something really special to help others. And just, do something that's positive for the world, even though everything is kind of seeming like it's negative. And it's really boosted their morale, um, especially using spirituality and positive thinking and just channeling the energy on the things that matter instead of reacting to every uh, negative thought or, you know, distraction. So that's really it. It's just everything I do is for my kids, including this uh, nonprofit. But wish me luck because I'm in the very beginning stages. And uh, right now I have time to do it in lockdown. So it's yeah, you'll do you'll do very good. And as I said, from the from the beginning that because you're young and you're doing this already. So you're basically ahead of the game of most people. OK, so because um, uh, I made for myself, I made a lot of good decisions for my health when I was 30. So it's perfect. It's perfect. So you're doing great. And then but what happened to you said your dream was going um, to be a filmmaker. But what happened to that dream? And then how did you end up in the military? Is 
Very good questions. Um, so I always wanted to make movies and in that academy, it was a vocational school. So I got to do my major in high school with uh, multimedia, um, sound, lighting, set design, all that stuff. So for productions, and it was really inspiring. And, you know, I, I really wanted to go in that field of possibly working in Hollywood. And um, so I don't want to uh, sound vulgar, but basically my parents ruined it for me, my dad in particular. And, you know, I was, I think I was 16 or 17 when I said I wanted to make movies and work in Hollywood. He said, you're going to be on your knees. That's what you're going to be doing in Hollywood. And that to me, like I was a huge prude in high school. I barely liked boys. I just like wanted to stay away from them. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that really ruined that whole thing for me. And I was like, well, what can I do instead? Like, of course, I wanted to make movies. But um, and then he's like, you're never going to make any money. And like, you know, and that kind of really sucks when your parents kind of do that. And I really wanted to be a goody two shoes and listen to my parents for the most part. I was always like daddy's girl. And like my mom had me at home most of the time. I barely got to go anywhere, <laughs> like out with friends. I didn't really get to do that socializing aspect. So I really did want to get out and move away to Hollywood and do all that. But then I decided, you know what, I speak Russian fluently. So why don't I do something like I'll be a diplomat. And then my dad was like, really? Like, you think you were going to, we're going to be able to afford that much college. And I was like, all right, well, man. Um, so I joined the military and they got me like this. They got me. And it was, it was the easiest experience I've had. The military basic training to me was like, I don't know, summer camp. <laughs> okay. So, and then that got boring. I didn't get to do anything because I got pregnant with my son and then I became a full-time mom and a full-time wife. So the military career was very short for me, but then being a military mom, uh, wife, I'm sorry, lasted for about a duration of four, four, four or five years. I can't remember, but yeah, most of the, my early twenties, I was a military wife and mom. We lived in Texas and Fort Bliss, and then we lived in Kentucky and Fort Campbell, and uh, then we got back to New Jersey and because um, his career didn't really work out very well. And that's also my fault. <laughs> uh, so is that some in terms of being in the military, is it something that you would want to do pursue? No, no. I want to work with the military to help them establish a better reporting for sexual assault. And that's why I got interested in that. Because um, I, it has come to my attention from one of my really good friends. Um, he was in the um, Air Force and he was at the academy and he was sexually assaulted. And my podcast kind of interviews him in episode 12. And he has his own podcast now. And there's actually a huge movement right now with military, uh, either veterans or military allies, people not in the military, like me, myself, I'm a military ally helping the military improve while um, not in the military. So right now, sexual assault is being swept under the rug as it's been, you have a one in three chance of being sexually assaulted as a female in the military in your career. Um, 
right now I would not recommend anybody send their kid to join the military because it's, it wasn't, I I'm lucky that nothing has happened to me, but it was only in the military for eight months or maybe nine months. So not that long, but you know, that's a very alarming. So he was sexually assaulted and there was a, a whole lot of stuff that got me on that path. And then, you know, abuse, sexual assault, trauma, all that PTSD. It's those kind of, um, they kind of are in the same realm and I've been sexually assaulted twice. So to me, it's like, it's definitely something that has to be discussed. And I don't think that we're actually helping. And that that's where the domestic violence comes in. Like we're victim shaming the victims that are coming forth. And it's so hard for victims to come forth because they don't want to be a spectacle. They don't want to talk about it. And the only way you have to talk about it is if you're forced to. And now um, they have all these uh, military podcasts with women just talking about how often it happens. And if you are if you um, report, you're either retaliated against your career is over. And um, yeah, you're just you're not going to do anything in the military after that. If you report sexual assault, you'll, you'll be, yeah, definitely handled because you report to your superior officers. So you're not reporting. So what we're trying to do in New Jersey is make Jersey city, a a, a reporting a city where anyone in the military could report something against the military that, so they don't have to face retaliation because that's the only way that the, um, the military could get process, prosecuted. No, that's very noble. And I think it's, it's very important to have such a, uh, like such focus. Cause yeah, we, yeah, there's a lot of, we hear news and, but we don't really knew, I'm not sure if it has slowed down you know, from all what we've heard before and if things are changing. So it's good that there's like a nonprofit or a group like what you're creating and other people. Well, we just need a city outside of a military base or a few in a couple states where they can go and report and they don't report on base. They don't report to another military member. Okay. okay. That's the problem. Oh, that's perfect. Um, Are you working with uh, lawyers as well who... Um, So I'm just kind of following and um, sharing the stories, um, sharing other podcasts and like talking about it and keeping the conversation going because there's a bill right now called the Vanessa Guillen bill. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. Okay. Uh, In Fort Hood, um, Vanessa Guillen was found dismembered and encased in concrete after her family reported her missing after about 60 days. And she went missing on Fort Hood, like out of the arms room. So how, and, and, and what happened and how long it took to get any answers and for the military to do anything about it. It took this whole family this entire year of protesting and it happened, I think in April. So it was coronavirus, you know, you're not really leaving base. And it's, it's just really a shame that our military servicemen, men and women could go missing and on right on base right here in our state, in our um, 
in our country, not even overseas. And usually it's kind of like a problem. Like usually it's another soldier that hurts, rapes, murders this other soldier. And so as a family member, if the military doesn't want you to know who it was, you won't know. And that's the problem because we have another case in Fort Bragg. This is horrible. Seven battle buddies. They call people battle buddies in the military who like serve together. So, cause they have your back and um, seven of them went camping with another soldier specialist Enrique Roman Martinez. I talk about him in episode 13 Um, so I interviewed his sister who's been trying to raise awareness because it's the similar situation and her family won't, isn't allowed to know the seven people that were with him. His head was found like on another Island when they went camping, they weren't even supposed to leave base. It was in August again, military's locked down. Um, and the family just gets no answers. They just tell him suicide. And it's always suicide, suicide. And it's not a suicide. A guy lost his head. He was clearly like brutally murdered. And then the family can't even know his name. Uh, the people's name the, who were involved, then they're not being prosecuted. And other soldiers on base at Fort North, I'm sorry, Fort Bragg don't know about it. Like they don't know who it is. Wow. I hear stories <laughs> like that on the radio because I have favorite radio coast to coast. I hear your stories, but then it's like um, similar, may not be the exact story that you just shared, but sometimes I like, oh gosh, how do we really know if it's true or not? And and then, um, and unless you are the direct family member, you know, then intuitively, you know, Yes, they reported Vanessa missing the next morning when she didn't respond to good morning text messages. That's how they knew. Yeah, she was going to report it. She was she told her mom she was being harassed and she was going to report. And then then literally that following week that happened and she just went missing and the military wouldn't give them any answers. They had to protest outside the base. So, yeah. Um, we're trying to pass this bill right now. You know, Washington, D.C. is a complete disaster. Um, and I don't think they're going to pass any bills for the rest of the year till next year because of, you know, politics and all that. So I think that we have a really good chance with Donald Trump to pass it. Um but we'll see. Uh, we're hopeful because he has talked to the family members, but, you know, they just keep making promises. But the bill will allow the military. Um, I'm sorry, the the civilians to sue the military or a military member to sue the military. And that has never happened because they don't hold liability. So they'll tell you it's a suicide and then that's it. Bye. But you could, as the family member now sue if they pass this bill, demand answers, that kind of thing. And it will let you report off post to a civilian entity to have that um, report not be, you know, undermined up on base. So let me ask you, what do you know, what are the factors that might contribute for one person who may end up in a situation like you, what you're saying, and whether you become a 
family member, a family man or woman, or just still single. Like, and then what makes one vulnerable that they're not able to, you know, like, because all of us will be prone to have that sexual assault, okay? But how come others are able to like, kind of like um, have that barrier right away or get, get into that mode of protecting themselves and um, others like, as you said, for you, you didn't even realize. So are they like, are they like um, childhood factors that would have contributed that? Um, no, you know, see, my, my parents like raised me very strictly. Um, we went to church. Uh, there was nothing really, we didn't even talk about sex or any of those things. I, I mean, we kind of touched on the dangers of being kidnapped and possibly never seeing your family again. Um, I was told about, you know, the dangers of that and like never seeing my family. I mean, that was it. That was the extent. So I would feel like, as a parent now, it is my duty to educate my children on um, at least age appropriate things like they think it's okay to go for a walk without telling me and I'm here losing my mind like we live in a suburb, you know, it's pretty urban, but you know, you shouldn't be roaming the streets as an 11 year olds, in my opinion, I, I don't think it's right. Kids go missing all the time. And you're most likely not going to see them. About 93% are killed and never returned. Don't hold me on that statistic, but it's, at, it's in the 90s. Okay. And, and what, what was the best part in your journey that you were able to really like? Uh, you, when was your Did I answer moment? your question correctly? Is that yeah, what you were yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you know, when was your aha moment when you said, okay, now I realized I'm in that situation because you, you know, you're being abused. Well, um, my aha moment was, uh, suicidal thoughts. I didn't think ever, ever in my life to end my life, but I was feeling some type of way that I'm like this awful person. And I should probably, if everybody probably be better off if I was dead. And that was like, I think it was 25 or 26. And then I realized I was like, well, that person who I'm with is telling me that I'm unworthy. So it's, it's their opinion of me. So why am I so happy and carefree and okay when that person's not with me? So it was kind of like a dependency and a trained dependency. And I realized that like, I really don't need that extra person with me. I, like me and the kids, like we spent a year together when he was deployed and we were, we, it was the happiest year of our life. No problems, nothing. And we were just waiting for daddy to come home. And uh, daddy didn't come home so well. He came home very angry, very upset at everyone and everything, but mostly me. And that was the problem. Like, you know, we shouldn't live our lives to appease other people and hope they like us and hope that they're, um, that we make them happy and they're, you know, they're okay. 
you know, we should live our lives with another partner and, you know, grow together and build together and feel safe. And like everything that ever happened in that relationship was more like, I felt like a mouse in a trap all the time. And it would be like, he trapped me again. And then he'd like, kick me out. Like he'd treat me like that. And I I've never, I've never experienced that ever with anyone. And then I thought it was a normal thing, you know, like I thought it was okay. <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's fine. I'll just say sorry. And he'll love me again. Like I'm honestly thinking how pathetic was I to allow myself to be treated this way. So it's not anyone's fault, but my own, it really isn't. It's me allowing that to happen to me. So now I'm very outspoken. I'm very confident and I love myself and I love life. I love it. Um, and that's how I know I'm growing because my, sp um, my ability to make things happen out of thin air, like good things, uh, the people that surround me, very nice people, very kind people, um, very intelligent people that all want the best for everyone. So I've realized he's just a different type of person and there's people like that. And why are there people like that? Because in childhood, if we don't get the attention that we want or that attention isn't there, um, you're just going to live your life a little bit like you're missing something, right? So if you have constant attention on you as an adult, I mean, there's something wrong there. If you're constantly ask, uh, wanting the world to see, like, see, look, I did this. And are you really living for yourself? Um, so to me, it's like I, I saw the, the differences in me and my uh, ex, and I realized that we're just different people. We're not bad people. We're just different people. Um, the, the problem is some people don't want to move on and like just be happy and successful and not worry about like once you let go, you're supposed to let go. And some people can't let go. So let me ask you, was he was was what you said when he came home and he he came home angry. But before that, was he also already angry also before that? Okay. Yeah, there was a lot of punching holes in walls, screaming. I mean, he has put his hands on me when we were dating, but, you know, it wasn't so, it wasn't like he punched me in the face. We would like wrestle and get angry at each other, um, but he would never like punch me or anything. So I didn't think it was anything other than just to tossing around and like, you know, pushing each other. And, and, and I didn't know that's a red flag. Okay. Because, you know, sometimes me and my mom got into arguments and, you know, it was a little bit hostile, but she wouldn't hit me, like punch me in the face or anything like that. We would just like cat fight a little bit when I was a teenager, but all teenagers kind of fight with their parents. So it wasn't intense to the point of, you know, anything other than just, you know, yelling at each other. So I was kind of used to it. But at the same time, I feel like we're trained by our parents <laughs> how to like react to things. So I also think that the kids who look up to their parents, they might not, they might not be looking up to the best parent either. They must be looking up 
to the only thing they know. So No Bad Kids is about, you know, the possibility of perspective, different perspectives. So, um, you know, it stemmed from the bullying, the bullying that perpetuates um, in each decade and each youth, it keeps coming. It's like, you know, you got abuse all over the place, you know, and it, whether it's verbal, psychological, physical, emotional, um, financial, and nobody knows about this because nobody talks about it. It's taboo, you know, um, psychological, I feel like is even worse than the the physical, but although I have never been in the worst physical, like I, I support survivors and it's really hard to see these pictures, these bruises, because yeah, I, I even have a furniture. It's not yeah. okay. So I, I even have now a, um, before my, it is, it, I have a, two questions. One question is, so when, what, what are the signs that you're teaching the kids now that, you know, that might lead them to being a situation where they will just accept um, abuse. So what are the symptoms? And one of them you, you already mentioned, but go ahead. And then I guess the, my follow-up question for that would be, um, what are the ways that they one could strongly uh, maintain your own um, what, whatever you call that, it's like uh, confidence, your own courage, you're, you're protecting yourself. What are the two ways? First, I want the symptoms so that our listeners and our viewers could note that down and could share them because they may have some kids um, who, who may need that teaching. So with kids, um, the reason I got into that with the red flags, um, it, it's, it's all about intuition. And I think that we're not really trained that way. We're more like trained to react um, and not with intuition, trained to react with what we see and what we hear. So um, maybe someone's uh, telling us something. Well, why are they telling us that? Um, just encourage people to think deeper into people's motives, um, whether they're kids or adults. You know, um, my daughter like she'll go to a play date and she'll say, well, um, you know, this girl made me, she wouldn't let me be this because she wanted me to be that. And I couldn't be a mermaid because she said I couldn't. And I'm like, well, sweetheart, like, don't let someone decide what you're going to be, you know, tell them I really want to be a mermaid. And this is what I want to be, you know, and you can't be something you're not. So really own it. And that's a red flag right there for me to, to uh, have someone tell me what to do, you know, not ask me. It's like the way people say things. It's like, what would you like to have for dinner? Or, you know, what the F do you want to eat tonight? You know, like it's, it's really like you understand um, body language, that kind of stuff. So what kids um, need to realize is that most, most of this bullying, it happens because that per that child in the home is seeing abuse and then is bringing it to this play date and then showing you what to do or maybe they abuse their mom you know maybe they're brats already but it's you know it's how you treat people and then you grow up to treat people like that and think it's normal to be a brat or to um not 
you know, the first thing I learned in America was treat people the way you want to be treated. And that's how I've been living my life since then. I, I heard that and I was like, that's beautiful. I'm going to do that. So I treat my, I tell my kids, treat people how you want to be treated. That's a red flag. Like if somebody's not treating you the way they would want to be treated, you know, that to me is something that already spells trouble. Um, another symptom, um, you know, my kids were told like they act out too much in school and, you know, kids don't really get trained on how to deal with emotion. They kind of, um, we're taught emotions are weaknesses. And when I, what I tell them is who cares how, if you want to cry, you better let those emotions out, go, go find a safe space um, that nobody can see you if you want, or find a friend and tell them, confide in them, tell them how you feel something is wrong. Let those emotions out. Otherwise you're going to deal with them later and you're going to put them somewhere and then you're going to feel them later. So, um, I have all that's, that's where the symptoms of, um, I guess I just want people to feel more and listen to their bodies, um, and then react that way. Like if, if you're feeling, you know, your heart racing, just, you know, that means you should probably, you know, ask yourself, sit with yourself, meditate. What is it? you know, um, and just be very open and honest with yourself. And that's the biggest thing I can teach them. Because it, you know, what you can be tough all day, but you can be crying all, all day, uh, the next day in your house, because you try to be so tough, you know, and, and, and feeling is something that we should always be doing. Um, and then controlling our emotions, you know, I teach that too. So um, it's very hard for kids who can't express themselves you know, and then they come to school and they're acting out and then they're told they're a bad kid or they have behavior problems. Well, if, 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 if home life isn't good and then they, they come the only place where they feel safer and then they're ostracized for bad behavior, but it's really just a child trying to be heard. And, um, I've dealt with these issues with my kids since preschool, unfortunately due to this divorce. So I'm like an expert at this point, I feel like a therapist Every time they come over and I have to talk them through their feelings, they're not allowed to cry when they're at their father's house because that shows weakness. And I don't know if that's a military thing um, that possibly could be, you know, be tough, you know, but at the same time, it's like uh, that's just society molding us. Who are we as people? We need to grow and like just embrace who we are really. And that's what I'm teaching them because and that way you're unstoppable. You're unstoppable. Would you, would you agree that um, the, the, the main core or the base environment where the kids could learn on either how to be confident and courageous and not to let others bully them and not to bully others will be at home? Um, you mean, would they learn that at home? Yeah. I mean, should that, should that begin? Well, from it, yes, it should. You, the parents should teach that, but that's the thing. And that, um, I don't want to talk badly about others, but the way we're brought up and raised, sometimes we keep the cycle going, right? So if you keep the cycle going, you're looking up to your parent and that parent you don't know is abusive. You have no idea. 
And so you emulate the only example you have. So that's where the no bad kids comes in. It's like, uh, we don't want any children left out. So it would not, you know, single anybody out. It would just be like a little incentive program or an app or something that like shows, you know, positive uh, reinforcing videos like or ideas or like fun things to do. Um, just it's in the, it's in the works, but, um, it definitely does focus on that. Like, did I answer your question? Yes, yes, yes. And, and then I reminded me of the saying that the village, it takes a village to raise a child because I understand about, you know, it becomes a cycle because like each of us had that subconsciousness in us and you know just we soaked up from our parents or whoever raised us in our first zero to seven years and if we're not aware just like as you're saying you had your aha moment so you know sometimes we don't pass on the 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 negative attributes that we have and we don't pass it on but if we if it so happens that the kids are still in that environment when I say the village, because us outsiders, assuming we have a neighbor or we're an aunt and we have nieces or, you know, the kids, I think now it's also our responsibility to look after that, to be, be aware of our own, our own doing, because we could be perpetuating the same outside that the child's life that's already dangerous. That's right. We could always make an impact and, um, you know, show them a little bit of love at the right time and really inspire them to not be negative and dwell on the negativity. And that's where, that's where it happens. You dwell on the negativity, you blame other people, you don't take accountability for, you know, your behavior and you just make excuses. And then you got a whole ton of problems when you're in high school, (laughs) you know, and good luck for the real world. (laughs) Yeah, and I I see it as, you know, each parent do their, they're doing their best. And even for us, it's always like a a game. It's always a game. It's also like, it's like a rubber band. You have to be strict. You have to let go. You have to, you know, it's, and yep. (laughs) And we just have to master our intuition when that being disciplinarian has to set in and when we have to like kind of like loosen up a little bit as well yeah Yeah. and yep it's it's tough it's not tough being a parent it really is but you always have to make sure that you're putting your children first you know and thinking about them first and a lot of people sometimes get lost in the sauce of who's right and who's wrong to actually forget about the children and the children suffering and then how long they're going to deal with it when they're adults and how it's going to affect them. You know, only mothers have that maternal instinct. It seems like that they can sense these things. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. Oh, there, it's a beautiful role. You know, for me, being a mother is being a co-creator of God's infinite power. Yes. You're a co-creator. 
Love that. Yeah. And that, so how do you, as now that you're, you've been through this, now you're creating, you have all these powerful platforms. So are there moments is still that, that silent thing that tells you, and if there's, if there is, how do you continue to be strong to, you know, keep yourself motivated? <laughs> what motivates you um, more and more? Well, it, it's, um, I've come a long way. Um, I've been in PTSD recovery for about, I'm going to say five years, but like with a clinician, like a therapist for two years. Is it? Yeah, actually, no, it's, it's going to be three years. Yeah. So um, I really think that um, the kids inspire me. Um, and everything I do is for them. And sometimes I feel like I have to do twice the work and um, that I have to do a lot more and always more and more and more uh, because it's like time is all we have. So before they're 18, I want to make sure that they have everything they need uh, to succeed in life. And that's it, really. I mean, the other thing that motivates me is what if I didn't do this? You know, I need to do this because it feels right. So I don't usually question uh, my intuition anymore. Um, very easy to just go with the flow uh, because I believe, like you said, in God's power, like, you know, all these opportunities have come to me since I let just let go. I let him take the lead, like uh, the universe, God, you know, I'm not super religious, but my, my, I'm learning, you know, I'm learning, but it's been such an easy journey since I just let go. And that's what people don't understand, especially people with anxiety, like you just got to let go. <laughs> but maybe people do understand, you know, we always have our moments um, but really we just need to be able to control our emotions, uh, deal with whatever comes our way. And there's nothing that I can't handle. And there's, you know, God won't put us through more than we can handle. Um, you just really, you know, you just really got to believe that you deserve better, believe in, you know, good things to come and just really don't put yourself down. Be kind to yourself, be easy on yourself, but not too easy. I do hold myself to a high standard, but, um, you know, sometimes things don't work out or I have a failure of some kind. I don't take it as personal as I used to this, um, this time around, I'm thinking, well, that's another opportunity that's over for now. And, or, what's next? You know, like I'm curious and I actually have a giant smile on my face and um, yeah, I'm just really excited for this nonprofit. I don't care about anything else right now, but this nonprofit and, you know, making my kids um, just proud. Like I did whatever I wanted to do with my life. You're possible. Anything you want to do is possible and anything you don't want to be, you don't have to be, but if you don't put in that work and effort, you won't be, you won't be happy with yourself. So we got to teach them to hustle and be motivated all the time. Cause you know, 
they're our future and we depend on them you know, to take care of us when we're older. So, you know, they're going to make me proud. I have no doubt. They're very intelligent. Um, I, I also care about other people's kids. So I care about all kids and I want them, no kids to be left behind, no kids to suffer abuse, sexual assault, any kind of abuse, any kind of, um, degrading behavior, you know, shame, that kind of thing. And I want them to just have knowledge and that it's available. The support is there. Um, I don't know how big this is going to get, but I'm really excited. I hope that we don't miss a kid and I hope it's worldwide. It's beautiful. Now, what, what, uh, what's the most challenging question have you had from your children? <laughs> uh, well... Why can't you and daddy get back together? And that was asked maybe last year. Uh, he's He was 10. Yeah. And I were nine. And I didn't even realize that my kids were even still on that. They, you know, they're suffering in their own ways and they're so strong and resilient. And I just, didn't even realize that was still something that they wanted and it, it's a sad thing it's a sad thing like they're no kids should have to go through what they're going through how um, did you handle that then I handled it um there was a lot of tears a lot of um you know what right now this is what has to happen and this is some time for you to grow and learn from how someone can literally take you, ring you out, throw you out, like discard you completely. Like you're not the mother of my kids. You're not somebody who I said vows to, you know, you're not the wife that was waiting for me when I was in Afghanistan taking fire every day. Um, you know, it just really hurts. But at the same time, I have found forgiveness in my heart. And so when my kids say that, I just say, well, we have to just pray for daddy. Um, he needs God's love. He needs some love. I mean, I don't know what, why he's so angry, but I said it's anger that, and it's something that he didn't handle when he should have, you know, he didn't maybe need to talk to someone about it you know, and they always hear negativity always about me. And it, it, it's sad because when they come over here, it's a different, I have to kind of like, it's, it's, it's an adjustment. It's like a lot of questions and like, like, like questioning me about stuff. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what did I do now? <laughs> you know? So um, I just have to like, I just have to watch what I say because I don't really want them to be affected by our marriage. Like it's, it's already, the damage is done. So let's move on. And I know I'm wonderful and thank you for making me famous all the time. Um, but I would like it if we would just like, you know, come together as, you know, exes and work together and co-parent for our children, you know, be those parents to look up to not be like oh my god here we go again 
you know, I don't want to embarrass my kids. I want them to be happy and say, yeah, that's my mom. Yeah, that's my dad. They're awesome. You know, I want them to be proud of us. But so far, it's, um, it's, it's a roller coaster. So I'm doing my best to yeah. entertain certain questions and leave some questions alone and say, you know what, I don't want to talk about that. Maybe later in life, maybe when you're older, you know, and they, and that's the problem is like, they want to know everything. They're so curious. It's, it's very kind of you to, and it's good for you. I can see, I, it will happen. Well, some, it takes, sometimes it just takes longer time for situations, but the fact that I can hear, I, I hear you, um, being aware of everything that you do for the love of your children. And so that's beautiful. And that you're also, be, you moving on with positivity is a good thing. So, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard that from many. There was another aha moment though. Okay, I've had several. The other aha moment, because after that marriage, and um, I also had another boyfriend after um, we were separated and it, it, both of them were awful, you know, like, and then I was like, oh man, I don't even want to date. I don't want to date ever again. Like I want to be a single mom forever with my kids and my dog and like, blah, blah, blah. I was so happy. And I didn't realize that I said that out loud until I heard my daughter say the same thing a few years later. And she's going to be, a, she said, she's going to be a single parent I'm just going to adopt all the kids who don't have parents and all the shelters that have kill shelters. She's going to take all those dogs and buy a big farm and not be with any men. And I was like, oh, my God, did I did I say something to make her feel that way? So I kind of, you know, caught, I, I, I listened. I became aware that I influenced that. Um, so I've been dating um a really nice young man <laughs> for about two years, actually an anniversary is tomorrow. And um, so he has changed my perspective because after all those really bad relationships, um, both abusive too, and I didn't know it. <laughs> so um, after that, I said, you know what? I will never marry anybody that doesn't resemble like the way my dad treats my mother. And I look up to my dad and he's not perfect. He's got, you know, he's dad, but we love him. He's great. He does anything. He's a noble man, uh, anything for his family and um, really, really loves my mom. So, and, and his kids, mostly my mom though, <laughs> but um, I, I met someone who resembled my dad in a way that he treats, you know, me his mom, his parents, um, it, his sister. And, and it's, it's the way you treat people is your, should be your biggest flag. You know, like what you're looking for in a partner, you should definitely notice how they treat other people. And that's how I find the right people to be friends with, to surround myself with to date. Um, it's, it's the way you treat others. And that says more than anything else, you know, how, who you are. So, or, um, 
Well, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so that was my aha moment is like this man, I could possibly see myself marrying one day because of the way he treats others, treats me. And it gave me a whole different perspective because we were never trying to date at all. We just met by accident and then hit it off like this. And uh, he's so wonderful and really loves me and my kids. So that was my big aha moment. Like, oh my God, good men exist. (laughs) And guess what? It's because of the way they were raised. He was raised in a good way by good parents who cared about everything, everything about him, you know, and how to raise him properly and instill the values that we're missing right now in single parent households. We are missing these values. And that's another thing that I would teach in the no bad kids nonprofit is values that we don't have much anymore. (laughs) culture stuff like that like it's beautiful it's beautiful and what you said but what uh what i had an imagination or what resonated to me is when you said that you you realize that you know you look at your dad so it's like this you know how they said that once you visualize something that you can claim that. And it does really happen. It does happen. So so that's the power of the mind-body connection and that visualization. And um, I had a conversation before with someone who she said that um, when she was really dating late and then her family, her whole family asking her when she's going to get married and all that. Then what she did is she really was she was particular. She knew exactly what type, um, you know, of man she wants to get married, and she did. She married to that person because she was so clear. So that clarity for all people is good, and yep, not just for young people, but also for those that you. We always have a second chance, a third chance for for forever growing. In yes. this, but tell, talk to me about uh, medical freedom that you, mm-hmm. you know, describe, define medical freedom to me, and what that, what is that for you? Well, medical freedom is important to me because I, my body is sovereign; it is my body, um, and you know, people say my body, my choice, and I believe that. But then I thought about it and, uh, you know, once your baby is born, it's no longer really your baby to choose what goes in your child, like vaccinations. Um, So once I realized that there were some risks and these vaccines, um, I educated myself on the metals and toxins. Um, I, I did... I did some digging and I was ostracized for that by my ex after we got divorced, but it was all about the body being able to heal itself to me. So it didn't make sense for me that I would need this vaccine, whatever it be. I feel like once you establish herd immunity in the community, There shouldn't be a worry about the non-vaccinated population um, by the science that they're saying, you know, herd immunity uh, brings. So um, 
I didn't really didn't really get that in depth with it. I just kind of I I realized I have religious exemption and I made my children religiously exempt uh, about after kindergarten. So they were vaccinated up to, up until that point, but I didn't feel very comfortable knowing how many vaccine injured children there were and how there's not really much research to combat autism, the growing rate of it and other, other issues too. You know, um, we don't know what SIDS is. We just say it's sudden infant death syndrome. Well, what the hell is that? You know, uh, that made me really curious. And then what I find on the internet, it makes like no sense to me. Like sudden infant, if my kid died, I want you to tell me why, <laughs> you know, but, um, there's so many stories out there by these parents. And, um, when I realized, when I did more research and realized that in 1986, Ronald Reagan signed a bill that exempted vaccine companies from being liable for vaccine injuries, um, that really raised my suspicion level. Like what at that point would make it an incentive for these companies to manufacture a product that is actually safe, you know, that really raised questions for me. And, and, and when you mandate something, you are forcing the population you're requiring. And that is like, also a red flag, you know, this is my body. So I, I am smart. I have a brain. I can, you know, make these decisions for myself. I don't need the government to tell me what I do and don't need. Um, I'm very healthy. Um, I'm really just proud of this body and what it can heal, what it can do. I was a sick child when I lived in Kazakhstan and I came here and I like, got better nutrition. I don't know. The point is like, I know my body's capable and I barely ever get sick. I barely ever, um, you know, you barely ever see me not outside running around and doing stuff because that's just who I am. But anyways, the, our vaccine, um, we're actually a huge state for vaccine manufacturers. So we're right now working on this Pfizer vaccine um, or it's done. I'm not even sure. I'm not really keeping track. What I'm keeping track of is how our government is trying, our state government is trying to remove this religious exemption and force this onto us. So um, that was before coronavirus. I was interested in this in 2019, in the fall of 2019, right before it hit China. So I um, went to some rallies and I got information, the National Vaccine Coalition, um, they provide information for parents um, and they believe in the freedom to choose, be informed and choose, is this the right option for my family, you know, and I just, I just really do believe in God and I believe that it's against my values to, um, have vaccines, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not against them. I just want them to be safe. And that's what we're fighting for. So we want a safe vaccine. We don't want it to be mandated. We want our public to feel like they can have, um, they can, they can feel okay knowing that the government is actually like caring about their health, not about a dollar, 
or two with every shot that they make. You know, we want to hold uh, the vaccine companies liable if there is um, a, a bad vaccine. We w- we don't want them to get away with it. And they have a fund, I think, four point six billion uh, dollars have been paid to vaccine injured families uh, since twenty sixteen. I'm almost positive. I don't know the numbers, but I'm with you with that um, about vaccination. Uh, And I don't, I don't even know if I can convince if if myself if there's any safe vaccine. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm an old-fashioned thinking thinker that your our our body is designed and created in such a way that we could heal ourselves and what we need are outside um, with nature. And, exactly. and so there's just so much we can do. And knowing that uh, immunity begins with inside out. So it's like, okay, yes. there's so much we can do to have that natural vaccine. So I, you know, it, it's, a, it's a, always a heated discussion for people between who would want it not but I really it hope is. that it would be given a freedom for people to choose and so and not to judge the it, people it, it should be a discussion and we should be informed of the safety or the risks um, every parent should know this before even having children this is a conversation you have with your partner before like and it shouldn't and it shouldn't be a bit huge debate and like you know people are called um you know nut jobs and like whatever and, and it, it gets really really offensive you know um people should have the right to choose and not be ostracized for it they should be able to make their own choices because we came to this country for uh, freedom and medical is part of it <laughs> religious yeah. is part of it so we can't keep forgetting that and I, I i think the people who came from other countries uh, trying to make our lives better here understand that difficulty and then there's so many facts out there when it comes to how vaccine was used more to control people more to depopulate people to just just one of those dangerous weapons. And because we were made to believe that it is good and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that's all goes back again to the conversation of the big pharma. And then it goes deeper to why. Yeah, we can get into that all day. But yeah, I don't really want to talk about that because I don't want um, people to perceive me as somebody who's not who doesn't want vaccines i am supportive of whatever choice is right for your family and for my family it 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 needs to be discussed it needs to be um especially in a two-family household you have to discuss these things yeah and you have to agree because those are both of your children and you should have both parents make the decision together same thing as when you when we choose our food, right? So, yes, yes. so now tell everyone where they can uh, reach you. Okay, all the information about because we can continue. These are these are topics that would be ongoing, but let them know where they can reach you. Sure. Um, so please follow me on Instagram. I am the most active there at the Bad Mom Podcast. 
Um, you can also find my blog at www.thebadmomblog.mom. And um, my YouTube channel is The Bad Mom Podcast also. Um, and if you want, there's a whole link. And I will tell you, it's linktr.ee forward slash The Bad Mom Podcast. You can email me at thebadmompodcast at gmail. And uh, we can discuss, we can set up a coaching session. Um, if you would like to debate anything I said, that would be amazing. I'm always open for discussion. And I really would um, like, like to be challenged. Um, and if you're a survivor of domestic abuse, uh, sexual assault, if you have anything you want to contribute to uh, my fight to make the military a better place to work and serve, um, please contact me. Um, if you have any ideas for the nonprofit or you want to be a part of it or you are working on a similar project and you want to collaborate um, or you want to share your story on my podcast, come on over and we'll talk. And it was really a pleasure to be here, Grace. I enjoyed the conversation. I hope that your listeners check out my podcast and I love everything you're doing. And I hope one day we can meet since we're right here in New Jersey. Yes, we will. Now, I know that uh, you you don't have a, an, a, a parent or grandparent who has dementia or anything like that, but just imagine that they are being cared for by people who are now also have constant chronic stress. And with you as live, who had live, live your experience as being chronically stressed, as being identified or labeled as a bad mom. So what, and they're both, for me, they're both stress. So stress is stress. They're just different in some ways, but what would be your best advice for those who care for the loved ones? Um, I think my best advice would be to just take it one day at a time, um, remain positive, um, just try not to get upset because you did have good times. Um, sometimes we have to adapt to the new times and things that are happening to us, our family members. Um, my deepest sympathy for anyone dealing with dementia in their family. Um, it must be a really difficult job, Grace. So I commend you for that. Um, you must be amazing though, as a nurse. And you actually really inspire me because um, I was actually thinking about being a nurse and I've had several people tell me I should be a nurse, but, um, but a quantum nurse. Okay. I got to listen to more podcasts, but definitely um, I would, I would just recommend just being positive and just taking it day by day because you can easily get overwhelmed and getting derailed with emotion is the worst way to combat stress. <laughs> Beautiful, beautifully said. Thank you. And um, I will end with a uh, quantum affirmation. And this quantum affirmation, I have several cards, a set of cards, uh, Anna. And then I intentionally, before I shuffle it and I say, 
what can I share with Anna and the listeners for this podcast? So what I got today is, and I always get the perfect one for that. It's overcoming fear. Okay. So it says, and you have to, one has to say this three times in the morning, three times at noon and three times in the evening. So it says, I am not afraid. Whatever situation arises, I will get through it with my own inner strength. I am powerful. I am not afraid whatever situation arises, I will get through it with my own inner strength. I am powerful. I am not afraid whatever situation arises, I will get through it with my own inner strength. I am powerful. I love it. And I make sure that I include this also in the description and I'll send you my little card, Anna, to, with this. And then you can, if you wish to use it, use it. And to our listeners, thank you again. Thank you for all your support. And just um, if this podcast, if, you know, especially with this episode, um, you know, someone who could, who could benefit from this conversation, please share it, okay? Leave your comment, share it, subscribe, whatever you do so we could keep adding traction to this uh, platform. And always go to the thequantumnurse.life again with your three free videos there. Very, very helpful. I'm telling you, it's helpful. And then I have my low cost product there. And with that, we'll continue to have like a complimentary health consultation. When I said low cost product, everything that I will be, uh, sharing with you, whether it's free or whether it's low cost product, it'll be all digital so that you could always have me. You could always have anyone you want all the time and keep repeating it. That's how I learned. And uh, when I was, uh, uh, you know, at, at Anastasia's age and younger and, and whatever good things, you know, now you just, so that's my advice for Anna is, you know, you just continue to do what good things you do. And that becomes like a second nature. Okay. So thank you so much. And we'll see you again next time. Thank Any you. Any last few thoughts? Um, well, I just want uh, everyone to just be, um, I guess, never settle never settle or otherwise you won't be happy. So keep growing, keep thinking, keep being positive and just believe in yourself. Amen to that. And in my language, I say Mabalos, which is uh, thank you. And in Russian, Spasiba. Oh, Spasiba. Okay, so now you got two languages. That's good for your brain. <laughs> You're happy. Do There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Bye.